The scripture reading for today is Mark 1, 29-34. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went up to her, took her hand, and held her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. This is the word of the Lord for us. Do we have any furniture flippers with us today? Uh, That is when you take a piece of furniture uh, that is not very nice and maybe old and broken, and you give it a new paint job, or you fix some shelves and you make it into something nice. Uh, this is actually something that my wife, Raquel, really enjoys doing. She loves to take furniture and flip it and make it into something new. Um, So we spend a lot of time going from secondhand store to secondhand store looking for that perfect piece of furniture that she can uh, flip around and make into something really cool that we want to have in our house. Uh, This is something that I do not enjoy as much. Uh, I would rather go to the store and buy something brand new than go all over looking for that perfect piece of furniture that we need to fix still. Like, I just feel like I have better uses of my time than to drill holes into a dresser to put those new handles on that she really, really likes and thinks that it would look better on. Uh, I do have to confess, though, like, it is amazing to see the transformation. Like, if you were to take a before and after picture, it is amazing to see that piece of furniture go from something old and not very nice uh, to something brand new. A completely new creation uh, to the point where you want to display it in your house so that people see it. Like, I can, I can have appreciation for that. It really is amazing to see the transformation. And usually you don't even recognize the old piece of furniture. Usually it doesn't even look even close to what it used to. It's not only been restored, it's been made into a completely new creation. And as I read over the passage that I was assigned for today, I marveled at how Jesus not only healed, but completely restored others. And we'll read that together again here in a minute. Uh, But I thought we really do have a remarkable healer. Uh, Like Jesus really was this remarkable healer. It reveals to us something significant about God's nature uh, that I thought we should talk about. Like, part of God's nature seems to be all about restoration. And what I mean when I say God's nature, that's like who he is. Like, that's just a part of who he is. Uh, For example, uh, like the nature of Michigan football is just to be bad at football, right? Like, I hear some amens there from from Jesus-loving people anyway. Uh, 
Or, 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 or how about this one? The nature of a Pittsburgh Steelers fan is the inability to admit that the Browns are actually going to be better than them this year. Like, it's just not in their nature to admit when they're wrong. I was really excited to tell, share that with you guys this morning. But we want to talk about God's nature this morning and how it's all about restoration. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So I really am glad that you guys are with us this morning. Uh, I, I think it's sort of funny. There's two dates on the calendar that are in the youth ministry community, always joked as National Youth Pastor Preaching Days. Um, and those two dates are Memorial Day and the day at, or the Sunday after Christmas. So I just thought it was funny that that happened to hit for me. Like that wasn't originally the plan. It just sort of, I just think it's kind of funny that it hit hit me on that week. So uh, we are doing uh, the series called Remarkable. And we're in week three, uh, week three of our series Remarkable. And we are following the life of Jesus by studying the gospel of Mark. So if you have your Bibles with you, I would encourage you to open it up to Mark chapter one. Mark chapter one. You know, uh, one of my favorite Gospels is uh, the Gospel of John, <laughs> not the Gospel of Mark. I, I love the Gospel of Mark, but I really, really love the Gospel of John. I just love the way John writes, and I just really uh, love reading his stuff. Um, but it isn't because there's anything wrong with you know Matthew, Mark, or Luke. It's just I really, really love John. I just love the way it's written. But there is an aspect of Mark that I really, really like as well. And John actually talked about uh, this, one, this, this point uh, week one as we started the series, as we started to give the book of Mark a little bit of context. Um, and one of the main themes of the book of Mark is bold Christian living. And I just love that idea. And, and Mark talks about this often. John Mark talks about this often. And, and it's namely in the form of the universal call to discipleship of Jesus. So as, as we talk today, as we study the word today, that is the lens in which I use to prepare this morning. So we are going to study that together. So we're going to start in verse 29 of chapter 1. Uh, Jesus has already called his disciples at this point. We talked about that uh, last week. We talked about how Jesus called his disciples last week. Uh, so he has already done so, um, and uh, they are, uh, the passage takes, the, that we're about to read takes place on the Sabbath day. Uh, Jesus taught earlier in the synagogue. In fact, he actually healed someone of an impure spirit uh, right before this in the synagogue, and people marveled at Jesus's authority and, and the authority in which he taught. Um, and right after, the, right after that, uh, Peter, James, John, and Andrew um, go back to uh, the home of Peter. And I'm assuming that they're not going to watch football like so many of us do after Sunday, but they are most likely going to share a meal together. Like that was sort of the custom, like you, you shared a meal uh, on the Sabbath day together. Uh, so they go over and Peter's mother-in-law was very sick. Like, she was very sick. Um, they're, in the, uh, they're in Capernaum, 
uh, and they're surrounded by the Sea of Galilee, which was um, sort of a wet, marshy area. Uh, so you can imagine like this uh, sickness that is common around here. Like she was really sick, like malaria, like typhoid fever sick. Like she was just really, really sick. Uh, so I want you to remember how sick she really was as we read this passage. So starting in verse 29 of Mark chapter 1, it says, As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her and took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her immediately, and she began to wait on them. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. They actually did this after sunset because, remember, it's the Sabbath day. Uh, so after the sunset, that would mark the end of that, so then they could start moving around. Verse 33, the whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew, he, he, they knew who he was. How amazing is this account? Like, he completely healed Peter's mother-in-law. In fact, he healed her so completely that she immediately began to wait on them. Like, isn't that just like, isn't that just so motherly? Like, healed, and then they go start serving everybody that's in the house. That is what I believe is so significant, or it is a significant part of this passage. She wasn't given medicine and healed over time. You know, she didn't have to take something home and take it for this amount of time, this many times a day, and slowly over time started to heal. No, she was healed completely. Jesus completely restored her on the spot, so much so to the point that she started to serve them as they were in the home. Like, this is like, this is like having something that, like, we're struggling with now, like having COVID and, like, getting completely made new immediately, like right there on the spot. In a few more verses, we see the same thing happen in verses 40 through 42. It says, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant, or he had compassion. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. The man didn't have to go home and soak in some sort of home remedy for his sores to go away. No, immediately, on the spot, Jesus completely restored this man. Like he completely healed him on the spot. Not halfway, all the way. Like all the way clean. See, God not only heals us, but he makes us whole. See, this is the good news for everyone. Everyone in this room. Like that piece of furniture that is old and broken, that you would never even display in your house, 
you, and you restore it and make it completely new and put it out for everyone to see, God restores us the same way, whether we are lost in sin, hurting, or alone. God can make us into a brand new creation, completely restored. You know, we often wonder in the 21st century, does God still heal? There are many of us that need God's healing touch. Right here in this room, right here in our home church, many of us need to be healed. And I have often wondered this question myself, does God still heal? But I sat with... I sat with some of you um, just this past year. And I've talked to some of you who have seen the miraculous done. Who invited the church in and prayed over them or their children or their parents. And by some miracle were completely healed. How amazing is that? Like those of you who have witnessed this, often use it as a source of hope for the future. Like, you, you know that God can heal. You know that God can restore. So you're always coming back to that one time where God showed up in a huge way and healed your son, yourself, or someone else. So yes, God does still heal. Today. And there are many stories of miracles of God doing that very thing. You see, God is in the habit of doing the impossible. But, you know, even if even if you never witnessed this sort of miracle, even if you've never been there, like we're all sick with something, right? We're all sick with this thing called sin. And it takes over our life. And the older I get and the more I'm in ministry, the more my hate for sin grows. Like I absolutely hate sin. I hate how it festers and boils and homes and hearts and tears them completely apart. I hate how it's tempting and it pulls us into The very thing that we don't want to do. And I despise, I absolutely despise the division it creates in churches and in workplaces. And I have, I've been around for some of these instances and I've seen what sin can do to uh, work environments or churches. And it is painful. Like we are a broken People, We are so absolutely broken. And one thing I was taught when I started uh, ministry, I was taught about uh, three relationships that sin destroyed when it entered the world. Three relationships in our world that were destroyed or broken when sin entered this world. And I want to talk about those today, mainly because we're taking a look at how God completely restores us, how he completely restores all things. 
how he heals our entire world, which is so broken. Number one, our relationship with God was broken when sin entered the world. And we we know this one, right? As followers of Jesus, we say this often. In fact, we read books to our children um, about Adam and Eve and talk about how sin broke our relationship with God. Like, we teach our kids that in the beginning, God actually bodily walked with us. Like, did you know that? Like, God bodily walked with us, like next to us. But in Genesis, God created man and woman, and he asked them to not eat of this specific tree in the garden, and life was perfect. But then what happened? Eve, accompanied by Adam, were deceived by the serpent. Ate of the very tree that God asked them not to eat, sin entered the world. And Adam and, Adam and Eve were afraid. And they hid in the garden. They hid from God. Now our relationship with God was forever changed. You see, we disobeyed him. We were tempted by sin. And God no longer comes and bodily walks with us the way that he once did. So our relationship with God was broken. Number two, our relationship with each other was broken. What is the first thing that Adam said when God asked him what happened? He says, well, this woman that you gave me immediately shifts the blame in counseling that's called blame shifting. Like, because these are the circumstances, because this is what happened, this is why I did this thing. He shifted the blame away from himself, which broke a relationship with, with each other, with people. And in order for us to recognize this one, we don't have to look very, very far. Usually, in order to see broken relationships, all we have to do is look around the room. Maybe even this very room. See, this is what I mean when I say I hate. I absolutely hate how sin divides us. We have a way of letting our pride get in the way of flourishing. Flourishing relationships. Or we let our own greed get in the way of these thriving relationships. And the last one, our relationship with earth was broken. This, the relationship with the very ground that we walk on was broken when sin entered the world. Remember what God told Adam? Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. See, this is really significant because it represents this, this relationship with the world that was broken. When sin entered, everything changed. Have you ever noticed that we so often blame God for why bad things happen to good people? But we live in a world of brokenness, not because God wants it, not because he wants them to happen, wants bad things to happen, but because we chose 
in the beginning to walk away from God. We chose our own path and sin entered the world and broke our relationships. But there is good news in all of this. Even while sin entered the world and all of our hearts here, Jesus died on a cross to save us from our own sin. And he rose from the grave, defeating sin and death, so the whole world could find life through his son, Jesus. This restored our relationship with God, with our loving Heavenly Father. Remember, God is in the business of restoration, and he can make us into that new creation that we talked about earlier. And the old can be gone, and only the new will remain. God can restore what is lost and broken. And there's even more good news. He's not even finished yet. Remember, I said there were three relationships that were broken, not just one. The beautiful picture we have in Scripture is that God is not only restoring our relationship with Him, but He is restoring all things back to Himself. He is bringing everything back to Himself, healing our entire world. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. And we, as followers of Jesus, have been invited to be a part of this plan for restoration. So in the same way that the theme of Mark is bold Christian living, I want to talk about how we are invited to contribute into this plan for restoration. And the first step, I think, was, was, is, a, is an easy one. Like, God sent his son to die on a cross, restoring our relationship with him. Like, that's step number one that he had on his plan for restoration. And I don't want to breeze over this or move on from this quickly because it's really, really important for us to understand this. Because we're saved by faith in Christ alone, right? Not, not our works. Like, it's not our works that save us. It's not what we do but only because we turn to Jesus. That's it. But he left us with a new command. Remember, all have strayed, strayed far away and fallen, and relationships have been broken. And Jesus said at the Last Supper, right before he was arrested, right before right before he was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everything will know, or everyone will know, that you are my disciples if you love one another. A new command I give you, Jeremy. A new command God gives us, MCA, love one another as I have loved you. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. 
You know, I believe we desire that here at MCA. We say it as part of our vision. We want to become a vibrant community of transformed people. We say this almost every Sunday. So how can we love one another here at MCA the way Jesus loved us? Remember how Jesus loved us? He died on a cross for us. What is a tangible way that you can serve somebody here at MCA? Maybe you can encourage a family or an individual in some way. Also, what can you do to serve our community? Like beyond these four walls, what can you do to love one another? What needs are there that you can help out with? You know, I have heard God work in amazing ways through us doing simple things like mulching or helping out at the school. I've heard God do amazing things through those small acts of kindness. We need to build each other up. Because, friends, there's a lot of heartache in our community. There's a lot of heartache right here in this room. How can we build each other up? This world is filled with suffering. And we live in a place that is filled with disasters, natural disasters, because of our broken relationship with this world. And I have seen firsthand the devastation that is caused by some of those disasters. And I felt the pain of sickness as well. In my own family, I felt that pain. And many of you have as well. Those natural things that happen, things like cancer and sickness, things like homes being lost. Like, I have felt that pain. And I, along with countless others, have felt this as well. But here's the good news. God is restoring all things. And we know that he is making a home for us as we speak. There is good news. You see, we often blame God for those hard things in life. But the reality is, God does not want us to suffer. That's why he sent his son Jesus to restore us. That's why Jesus healed many. That is why he set aside a day where there would be no more tears or no more pain. And we would dwell with him forever. He set that day aside. Did you know that when that day comes, we will see the glory of God? But did you know that the glory of God will shine so brightly that we won't even need a sun? That he will be with us the way it was supposed to be from the very beginning. Our relationships with him restored. Our relationships with each other restored. Our relationship with the entire world restored. Oh, how I long for this day. You see, we rebelled against God. Jesus redeemed us on the cross. Now he is bringing everything back to himself. He is restoring all things. So maybe today you really are sick. 
and you need to be healed. I want you to know that we see you and we're praying with you. We hurt with you. We want God to restore you. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're sick with sin. You're stuck in this habitual cycle and you're just trying and trying to be better, but you still fall short. I want you to know that God sees you. and He loves you, but he wants better for you. And you can be restored through him. No matter which one you are, God can restore what is lost and broken. Whether it is your body or whether you're lost in sin, Jesus is a remarkable healer. And so, Father, today, as we just reflect on how you restore everything, Father, help us heal. Help us grow closer to you. Help us to stop letting sin divide us. Father, help us overcome the way you have overcome the cross and the grave. Thank you for all you do. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.